The Old Testament reading for this sixth Sunday after Pentecost comes from the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, starting with verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 7, starting with verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of of God, in my inner being, but I see my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our epistle reading for today is taken from Paul's letter to the Christian church in Rome. And his letter, we know, is this uh, great treasure trove of doctrinal truth inspired by God himself for the church. In Romans, we have a clear expose of law and gospel, of God's holy demand for perfection and righteousness. And we also have an expose of the atoning work of Jesus Christ, his Son, for all of those who fall short of that perfection and righteousness, which we know is everyone. Paul was a giant of an apostle. He was hand-picked by God, as were the other apostles. But his was a special ministry, a ministry to the Gentiles. And Paul went throughout the Mediterranean world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know he was beaten up for his teachings. His opponents tried to silence him, tried to kill him. He was left for dead at one point outside of Lystra. He was stoned, but he continued on. Three missionary journeys, miracles performed, a boy raised from the dead, churches planted, pastors trained. This apostle Paul writes a good portion of the New Testament through his letters. And he urges Christians to live lives that are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when he's aware that his time on earth is growing short, because God was telling him this, he writes, The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He writes that in one of his letters to Timothy. What a faithful servant of God, follower of Jesus Christ, Paul was. And yet, even Paul fell short of that perfection and righteousness required of us by God's law. And so in our reading today, he writes, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. When I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Sometimes we struggle with ourselves, like Paul, don't we? We struggle to understand our actions. And maybe for you too, like me, there are times of clarity when we more completely understand the hold that sin has on our flesh. And we wonder why we did or why we said or why we didn't do or why we didn't say what we should have. I ate a maple donut yesterday, and some of you saw me do it at the workday yesterday morning. 
and I shouldn't have eaten that, not because there's anything intrinsically wrong with a maple donut. In fact, I'm sure maple donuts are going to be in heaven, one of the holy foods. No, I shouldn't have eaten it because I don't need the calories, right? It only took a couple of minutes <laughs> of savoring it to get through it, and then it was gone. It was done. And uh, you had to kind of imagine what it tasted like anymore. It was just finished. It was delicious and sweet for two minutes and then only a memory and regret. Although now I have to admit that uh, I ate one of the leftover ones at home later on. <laughs> and sin is like that for us. Sweet at the time. Full of regret later on. And it's hard sometimes to take an honest look at ourselves. And that just might be because we look through rose-colored glasses at ourselves. By that I mean that what we wish to see about ourselves is rosy. On the Dennis Prager show on Friday, someone had phoned in and mentioned that we judge ourselves by our motives. We judge other people by their actions. And we like to think that we are judging equitably, that we are fair in our judgments, but we're really comparing apples and oranges there, aren't we? If we have any trouble in a relationship, if it's with a friend or a coworker or even a family member, don't we generally feel that the trouble lies with the other person. If they would just try to understand things from my point of view, right, they would agree with me. Or we say, wow, they're not being very patient. Or they shouldn't expect so much of someone. Or maybe we say, well, they never really did like me. We feel underappreciated misunderstood, unfairly criticized. We judge circumstances, we judge even people based on our own criteria, based on a set of rules that we make up for ourselves. And so we become the lawmaker and the judge. And most of the time, we even fool ourselves into thinking that we're right. Right about others, right about ourselves, spot on. And then there are those times. Those times when our kangaroo court of cards comes crashing down, the door to our inner selves is flung wide open and our centered on self motivations are laid bare and we recognize that we really have been unjust in our criticism of the other person. Our brother or our sister and maybe we realize, recognize, see clearly that we are the ones, that we have been impatient, that we have not taken the time to see something from someone else's point of view, not taken time to understand them, that we've been expecting someone else to please us instead of taking the effort, making the effort to please them. And maybe it shocks us at those times just how ugly our heart looks. And our lack of love, our lack of empathy, 
our willingness to forgive, our unwillingness surprise even us. And we say to ourselves, I don't understand my own actions. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I did that. Or I don't know why I didn't. And grief over our sin rises within us and we say, O wretched man or woman that I am, and we find that we have a lot in common with the Apostle Paul who struggled just like we do with the sin that is in our flesh. And we say to ourselves, I'm going to do better, I'm going to try harder, I'm never going to act that way again. And you would think that we would be getting good at it, right? Better at being able to keep our sinful selves in check, at holding our tongue, at being less self-centered, more concerned about the other's welfare. And then we become painfully aware just how far from perfection, how far from holiness and righteousness we really are. And we feel like a little child or maybe a grown man who can't stop wanting and eating that maple donut, even though he knows he shouldn't. And this can become such a burden for us. We want to do right, but evil lies close at hand, Paul says. And the guilt piles up to match our pile of resolutions. And the guilt over our sin can have quite an effect on us. It can even keep us from praying to God. We, we don't feel worthy to come to God and ask Him for anything or to even expect that He'll listen to our prayers. Why would He hear me? Why would He keep listening to me when I keep doing what I know is wrong? He tells me to be holy. He gives me His commandments. We imagine God is waiting for us, waiting for us to get it together, to do the right thing, expecting us to be a better person. We go back and forth, now believing that our faith is fine, now finding that our faith is failing. After all this time, our faith should be mature, it should be stalwart, it should be firm. Instead, we find that we're just children in the faith. And to us children, Jesus says, Come. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this that we've been talking about is the burden that Jesus is talking about. The burden of a heavy conscience. We know the work that the law demands of us and we know that we're unable to do it. Unable as a husband or wife, as a child, as a parent, as a co-worker, as a neighbor. We want to get it right but we continually fall short and it weighs on our conscience. We know, as David says, we know our sin. And Jesus says, come to me. 
He promises to give us rest. Rest for those who know that their work is full of sin and falls short. Rest for those whose conscience is plagued by what they've done or what they've failed to do. He promises to give rest to us who know that we justly deserve His present and eternal punishment because we know His law and we know we haven't kept it. Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Paul in his spirit wants to do what the law requires of him, but clearly he finds daily that he cannot do it. And just like you and me, the evil that he doesn't want to do is what he finds himself doing. Until finally, as a man whose conscience is burdened with his sin, he has no choice but to say, to cry out, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the cry of a conscience that's burdened and heavy laden. This is the sort of person to whom Jesus promises rest not simply to a person who works, not simply a person who has regret, but a person who knows that he deserves nothing but temporal and eternal punishment because of his sin. This is the person who labors and is heavy laden. And to this person, to you and to me, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So you have to put your yoke down and take Jesus' yoke on you. Take the work that Jesus is doing to fulfill his Father's will and have that as the work that you are doing. Take my righteousness, Jesus says, my obedient life. Take that as your own. Let it be credited to you so that you can rest, so that you don't live in fear. That's his yoke. The law, he says, is his burden to carry and to work at and to fulfill so that you might learn from him that he is gentle and lowly of heart so that you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, my yoke that I give to you is light, is easy. The burden is light. It's given to you as a gift. Paul says in response to this, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the answer. That's the solution. That's where we find rest for our souls. Who will deliver me from this body of death? God will. God has. Jesus gives true rest. He gives peace for the conscience that is burdened by sin, for the conscience that lives in terror under the weight of the law. He took all of that. He bore all of that. He died for all of that so that we might learn from him that what he wants most of all is to give us the gifts that he has earned so that we might rest in him, so that we might have peace 
in Him. And so, how wonderful to come together to worship today. The worship here is not about work. This is not work that we are doing to appease God who is angry with us for our sin. It's not another place for the law of God to burden us. It's the divine service. (laughs) It's God's service. That's why we call it divine. It's God serving us. It's God bringing us the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing from all unrighteousness. It's God giving us the gifts that Jesus has earned for us, teaching us about Christ's work on our behalf. And it's us responding to him in faith with our thanks and our praise. Worship is the time and the place where we come with all the burdens of the week, all the piles of regret, all the sin that plagues our conscience. It's where we come to meet Jesus. We hear from Jesus. We learn from Jesus. And we receive rest. We receive absolution, the forgiveness of our sins. And he feeds us with his body and his blood. He gives the rest that he promises. The Apostle Paul's struggle with sin is the same as our struggle. And in this life, we'll never be able to leave our sinful flesh behind. Until the day that we die, we will continue to confess our sin to our Heavenly Father and rejoice to receive His full and free forgiveness. And we'll continue to find rest for our souls. And the day will come, thankfully, when we will have new flesh, incorruptible bodies that will be free of the curse and the burden of sin. And on that day, Jesus will again call to us and say, Come, come and enter into your eternal rest, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace and the rest of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.